0: It's like having a garden. Weeds will always grow back. You can't kill weeds, but flowers die, right? You, you have to tend to the flowers every day. If you don't tend to your flowers, they die and they don't come back next year. They don't come back next month. You have to replant and start from scratch again every time the flowers die. So it's a lot easier to keep the flowers alive by just taking care of them every day than it is to, to let them die off.
1: Good morning and welcome back to the Mindset Mastery podcast. My name is Rachel Tapscott and my guest today spent 18 and a half years with the Australian Federal Police, the last 10 of which battling a major depressive and gambling disorder. He took on this struggle silently, which cost him almost $2 million, his career and reputation until a pivotal moment in 2016. He began a process of understanding everything he could about behavior, his habits, and himself, and is now a public speaker and ambassador for the Australian and New Zealand Mental Health Association. He delivers custom presentations around men's mental health, peak performance, and many more topics, which we will discuss here on the show today. To share his story with us today is Gary Fay. And Gary, thanks for coming on the show. How are you?
0: I'm well, thanks, Rachel. Thanks very much for having
1: me on. My pleasure. I just want to start by Asking you just to take me back and talk me through a little bit of your story, and then how you came to using everything that you've learned to help people in your business today.
0: Yeah, look, I I'll probably brush over the the early parts of my life. Not had a normal upbringing, a normal Australian Western Sydney upbringing. No real no real low lights that a lot of people might draw on for you know for future trauma. I, I had a very good upbringing, great parents. I was a normal kid that. Loved sport, did okay at school, and I, I ended up joining the Australian Federal Police in 1999, and, and I had a fantastic career and, and, and life there. I, I worked in a number of areas, including investigations areas, uh, surveillance. I, I worked for a long time in, in close personal protection. I, I ran the, the close protection team for the Australian Prime Minister for a little while, and ultimately ended up running the Commissioner's Office as the, as the Commissioner's. Executive officer. So it was a it was an 18-year career, and and you know there was many highlights in there for me. I got to travel the world. I got to meet a hell of a lot of people that young boy from Mount Druitt wouldn't get to uh, come across. Ordinary. And and it was a fantastic time. But yeah, you know, as you mentioned uh, there in the in the intro, that probably for the last 10 years of that, I was I was battling a major depressive disorder, and that manifested in a quite large gambling addiction that had me, you know, in, in reality questioning my, my, to the world and, and, and wanting to, wanting to, wanting to end it. And it was a, it was a pretty dark, dark moment. It, there were some things that I did over that time that I'm not too proud of, but certainly they provided an opportunity for me to learn and grow out of. And, and hopefully that's what I'm doing now.
1: Mm. Yeah, that's great. So what was kind of the the turning point for you, I guess?
0: Yes, yeah, so I, I made some very poor des- uh, choices, poor decisions around the use of my corporate credit card. I, I began to use my works credit card to fuel my gambling addiction and also to provide some money for, you know, for things that I, I'd lost my money. So uh, for, it was around about uh, $45,000 worth and that, that got found out in the job. I had to go through a criminal uh, case for that and uh, you know I, I pled guilty to that I had done it and and did what I needed to do that so ultimately that that caused the end of my career there was there was no going uh, no staying no going forward from there strangely enough and probably unfortunately enough that wasn't the the worst of what I was going through at that time I still probably wasn't coping very well with my own mental state I probably wasn't equipped enough to, to know what to do in order to change. And even though that was a pretty drastic thing in my life and it created some level of change, I still had a couple of hurdles to get through with with family. I was still in the, in the midst of the the addiction phase and trying to find ways out of that felt quite hopeless for me. So it probably wasn't till another year later that I really hit rock bottom and and ended up taking myself off to the GP to um, start a process to come out of it.
1: Mm. So that was that first step for you going to the GP and then looking at a process. So what advice would you give someone if they're maybe in a similar situation and they're not really sure who to talk to, where to turn to, what advice would you have to take the first step?
0: Yeah, it's, it's, it's a good question, right? Because I, I think the, you know, what, what I try to be is, is the type of coach that, that I needed five or 10 years ago. And, 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 the difficult thing is that once you are, are struggling and, and in particular as a, you know, as an alpha male in a in an alpha environment, it's very difficult not only to come forward, but to also recognize it in yourself. So I, I'd often said to people that I knew I was struggling, but I didn't know with what and I knew even less what to do about it. I, I think what I would what I would um ask people to do now that I know a little bit more is if you have those feelings that you are struggling it doesn't matter if you know what it is it doesn't matter if you don't know what it is it doesn't matter if you don't know what causes it but we all have an internal uh, modulator that's going to going to keep us on track a conscience if you will and and typically over a period of time if we're we're moving uh, away from who we are as a person that that little radar goes off and we start to struggle internally with with some odd feelings and you know if you are experiencing those eventually i went to a doctor um a gp but there are plenty of places and plenty of people you can speak to Uh, sometimes in particular in my field there's a lot of guys aren't uh, are not yet ready to speak to professionals to doctors to psychologists to psychiatrists but there are coaches It doesn't, could be the personal trainer that you, that you work out with at the gym who may not necessarily be equipped to deal with specifically what you're going, but have certainly seen a lot of of struggles in their time, in their work. It could be, you know, the football coach. It could be, you know, somebody in your circle that, you know, might have a little bit of maturity, might have a little bit of uh, life experience that you can just, you know, brush up to and say, Hey, you know, I just don't know that everything feels right. And then you can go from there.
1: Mm, Yeah, absolutely. So, what were some of the habits that you put into your life or looked at to start on your journey?
0: I, I think one of the one of the important things to to remember is I actually heard somebody say it the other day, and, and there's a lot of things that I seen I've done in my life to get here. That now that I'm more open to ideas, uh, I, I can hear it in other people's stories, and they were talking about starting small or aiming small. And it's okay to have huge goals, but we I think we've also got to remember that there is something that you can do every day to move yourself forward. And often we don't feel like the small things are big enough to get us anywhere. So we we typically will sit back and, and do nothing. In all honesty, the first thing I, I did was I got up 15 minutes early. That's all I did for one week. I, I coach now, I coach a lot of the people I, I, I work with to not hit snooze for one week. That wasn't something that I ever did, but start I started with something that seemingly had nothing to do with what I was trying to achieve. But I realized that I was breaking almost every promise that I'd made to myself. And so I had to start to rebuild my own self-confidence. I had to start to believe that when I said I would do something that I, I would continue to do it. So for me, it was to get up Fifteen minutes early, and then that snowballed. So for one week, it was fifteen minutes early. The next week, I would drink five hundred mils of water in that time. The week after that, I'd start doing some gratitudes. Uh, I found those, you know, enormously helpful to to really hone into gratitude. Uh, and then I started having a cold shower. So I built my morning routine, but I built it very slowly. I built it over a you know four, five, six week period. And I was happy that all I had to do today was get up 15 minutes early. And and in reality, that's where it started.
1: Yeah, that's great. Just building on those small habits, like you said, that don't necessarily seem like they're going to make that much impact because they are so small. But I guess if you try and go to do it all at once, that's when you're not going to be able to to keep that going and you'll get through a week and then you'll give it
0: up. It's, It's something that we see all the time that, you know, we get to the, the classic time of year is, is the 1st of January, you know, a new year's resolution that, that we all decide that we're going to make this huge change in our lives. But if we were able to be honest with ourselves, we, we understand that a lot of the promises we've made to ourselves over, over our life, we said we were going to start a workout program and we stopped after three days. We said we weren't going to drink you know alcohol for a month and we finished after a week. We, you know, there's all these things that we've told ourselves in life that we've given up on. And, you know, for me, it, it it was, I definitely needed to stop gambling and I needed, but but I also needed to rebuild my self-confidence in order to stop gambling. You need to rebuild your self-confidence in order to achieve high performance and peak performance. And sometimes, even though the activity that you're doing doesn't seem to matter in terms of your goal, it's actually more important in, in terms of you being able to keep promises to yourself.
1: Mm, definitely. And talking about, building or rebuilding your self-confidence and it does cross over into that peak performance is if you don't have the self-belief and self-confidence in yourself you know I believe you know it's really 80% mental 20% physical if it if it comes to peak performance as in athletic sport how do you actually start to build your own self-confidence when you have all the the self-doubt talking or a lot of the negative cycles that we all get into. How do you break that and actually start to build confidence?
0: Yeah, it, it's a good point you make, especially when you're at the, at the pointy end of high performance. And it doesn't matter if it's sport or business or you know other things that, that people do in their life. At the pointy end of of every in every aspect of it, it's, it does come down to mental because everybody is physically or you know in, in athletics everybody is physically very similar. So it, the the thing that sets you apart is is the mindset that you have. And you know in in, in all honesty, it's the, the way that you build self confidence is to keep promises to yourself. And that that you know I, I've heard others say this. Is, it's not my to 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 pass on, but you know one of the people that I followed a lot in my journey through was somebody like Ed Milet. And, and that's where I learned this concept of keeping promises to yourself. And it, it is where it starts. If you if you are able to start with small promises and keep them, and keep them majority of the time, if not every time, what happens is when you get into that moment where you walking out onto the field, where you where you ordinarily would feel that self-doubt it no longer exists and it doesn't exist because you have built a a very strong foundation that you know i am in as best a shape as i can be i am as as prepared as i can be and i haven't left any door you know uh, open i've 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 made sure that that everything is ticked off and and that comes by doing small things every day for a long period of time it unfortunately doesn't happen in a week. You know, you, you don't decide to be mentally strong in a week and it comes, it's a, it's a skill that's built and it's a skill that you can lose very quickly as well.
1: Yeah. I guess it's that always reinforcing every day because, you know, when we get out of our good habits, like going to the gym or or eating healthy or getting up early, I think it is harder to get back into that, the healthy, positive habits once we have broken that.
0: Yeah. There's a, there's a very good reason for that too. It's, you know, the, the, the problem is when we've done something once our brain tricks us into believing we can do it anytime we want and so when we take a break it's always very hard to get back into it the second third fourth time around if you've done it before uh your brain will convince you that you can do it anytime you want which means i can start monday i can start next week I can start in a month and so if i fall down today it's okay because i know i've done it before the the trick part of it is that we've only done it once and we've failed to do it ten times and our brains aren't haven't switched us on to that part. So yeah, it's it's difficult to, you know, I, I say to people, it's like having a garden. If you've got a garden, weeds will always grow back. You can't kill weeds, but flowers die, right? You you have to tend to the flowers every day. If you don't tend to your flowers, they die. And they don't come back next year, they don't come back next month. You have to replant and start from scratch again every time the flowers die. So it's a lot, it's a lot easier to keep the flowers alive by just you know, taking care of them every day than it is to to let them die off.
1: That is a really good analogy. I love that. So one of your other talking points is dealing with the you you don't talk about. Can you talk me through what you mean by that?
0: Yeah, well it's it's something I, I came up with from my own experience. And and to be quite honest, the the 10 year darkness of my life was because I was I wouldn't deal with the the me that I wasn't talking about. There was an element of my life that I I kept to myself, mostly through fear. Again, I was in an alpha environment and you you do develop this often irrational fear that as soon as I put forward the fact that I'm struggling, everybody's going to start judging me. And, And so the you that I wasn't talking about, my vulnerable side, my struggle, were never getting dealt with. So a small struggle 10 years ago becomes an overwhelming and overbearing struggle, you know, in, in 10 years time. And, and, and what we failed to do is, you know, I, I talk about brutal honesty. I, I had to sit down and be brutally honest. I had to finally say to myself, this is what you're going through, because once you can at least get to that point, you now have a place that you can move forward. So the the you that you don't talk about is the one that when you, for, for us guys, when you go to the pub with your mates, it's the guy that you won't, you know, you won't acknowledge that you're feeling a bit low or sad or down, you know, for, for other, others out there as well. You know, when you go out with your girlfriends, when you're around your parents, when you're at your family functions and you put on a brave face because you're, and you're sad underneath or you, you're going through something that you're not prepared to share in public. It's those things that eat away at us if we don't address them. I'm not, t- I'm not saying that people have to go to parties and start yelling out at people, hey, I'm sad because this has happened in my life. But if we if we continue to put them to the back, we will. they will end up haunting us and hurting us a lot deeper, you know, further down the track.
1: Mm, yeah, that's absolutely right. And another thing I'd like to talk about is the idea that the victim determines the level of success. So... Again, talk me through what you mean by this statement.
0: Well, the, the victim in all senses of, of life, you know, there's, I suppose there's victims and there's, and there's victors or victims and, and, you know, perpetrators. And, you know, whatever, whatever wrong I've done to anybody else in, in my life, I, I certainly broke a lot of trust with family, with friends, with work, you know, with the community, considering the job that I had. In terms of my life, the victims of the the things that I've done wrong will determine uh, whether or not whether or not we've moved forward. It's not up to me. I, I don't I don't get the chance to say everything's okay because now I'm okay. If if for those in my life that have been struggling, you know, or have struggled on on the back of some of the things that I've done, the success of where we're at is determined by them, and and I have to accept that. And, and you know, if it's it's okay for people in life to you know people have done wrong things to people and. I've lost some people in my life that I will never get back and, and that's a shame and it's something that I have to live with but I also have to accept that their pain, their pain is relevant and it's not merely good enough for me to say I'm okay so we should be okay. It's, it's the victim that needs to heal, not, not the perpetrator that, that needs to be fixed if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And that's a really good point that you bring up as well. And also you mentioned earlier, you have a book coming out in a few weeks. And when that is available, I will link to that in the show notes below. But can you talk me through what are some of the ideas that you talk about in the book? And what led you to want to write the book in the first place?
0: Yeah, th- thanks, Rach. Look, when I when I got sent home from work on day one, it was 25th of November, 2016. I started writing. It was the first time I probably started getting out some thoughts in my head that I that I'd been experiencing over the, the 10 years. And so the book I've titled it "Externally Bulletproof, Internally Brittle," and you know it's a little bit of a play on words. I was a, a bodyguard for you know for a, for one of a better term for a long time, and you know in my environment we were we were. Are supposed to be externally bulletproof we weren't we weren't built to be to, to be soft or to have those feelings and you know but inside I was I was quite broken so you know it's a little bit of a play on words for that and ultimately the book it goes through a little bit of the journey about how I ended up I suppose broken on how I ended up you know in the, the depths of depression where I was but mostly i I want to try and give people an understanding about how it felt to be depressed a real life version i don't know that i understand definitions very well but i certainly understand now how i was feeling and hopefully i can describe to people some feelings that they may have and and might not be able to understand what they are or where they're coming from and i also in my journey out i went i did a lot of research on the brain and habits and routines and, and neuroscience and all of those sorts of things and you know, I put together a program that works for me and has been working for for others that I coach. And the second half of the book primarily is is the steps that I took and the steps that I coach for people that, again, that they might be struggling and they might not even know what it is. It's some simple steps to put into place to start to feel better about yourself. But as we're talking about high performance, it's it's also the same steps that you would take that if you're almost at the top of your game and you want to get complete uh, control over who you are as a person that you can, you know, you can find that as well.
1: That's awesome. Can you talk me through what some of those steps are?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Look, It it all starts with me with the brutal honesty. At some stage, you have to be honest with yourself about who you are and where you're at uh, in life. We're all very, very good at lying to ourselves. and, And I said, I've said numerous times when I was, when I was addicted to gambling I lied to a lot of people but the biggest lies I told were to myself and it wasn't until I was able to be honest with myself about who I was and also about what I wanted in in life and often we've we've been conditioned to give the answers that everybody expects and it, and and most people you know for most people that doesn't cause too big of an issue but sometimes you get a little bit off course and you know Again, we've talked about sports people before. If, if you've always been told you're going to be the sports person, well, you think that's the answer that you're going to give. And nine times out of 10, you actually have to dig very deep and ask the question three or four times before you can get to a real honest answer about who you are as a person. So the, the brutal honesty part is, is, is very important. We touched on, so I won't go into it too much, but building those habits, small habits every single day and habits that, uh, and routines that don't have much to do with your big goal are probably important because the pressure isn't there. If, if my, my goal was obviously to stop gambling and to, to beat depression and to become a, a successful um, performer again, but if my habits and routines were solely focused on stopping gambling, the problem was I'd been addicted to gambling for 10 years. It was going to be very hard for me to come out day one and just stop Cold turkey. So I didn't have the pressure of trying to stop gambling or beat my depression or be successful. All I had to do was get up 15 minutes earlier, and that made that made it a lot easier to to stick to over a long period of time. And also, if for some reason I happened to fail one, I didn't I, I didn't lose it all. It wasn't like I went straight back to the well. You're gambling again, and, and all of those sorts of things. You know. So th- there's a couple of things that I mean. It, in honest, in all honesty, the small habits are probably the best thing that that happened to me. There's there's you know a deeper process around it. I I call it P yourself, but you know you find a purpose and your potential. You have to accept and acknowledge your past and your present, and then you have to uh, build a process. Uh, and that process has to be worked at. You have to practice it. You have to be persistent. You know, and, and you have to have patience. You have to stick to it if you believe you're on the right path then you just have to stick to it until it works.
1: Mm, I like that. The, are they five Ps? Oh, there's
0: eight. There's eight, eight, eight Ps. Eight P's. Oh, okay. eight. There's eight Ps. There, there's, look, there's, there's three sections to, to the way I, I do my coaching. You have to create a compelling vision, the, the who you are as a person and where you want to go. If it doesn't exist, I, I say this in the book, if you got in your car to drive somewhere you've never been before, you put the destination into Google Maps, right? You don't try and get there purely, you know, by hope. And but we do this with life all the time. We don't ever sit down and really understand where we're going or how to get there. So you've got to create your compelling vision. You have to you have to renovate your internal alignment. We've all got this internal alignment that is trying to be something that we're not, or we're trying to put on a brave face, or we're not dealing with the you that you don't understand. So we have to we have to renovate our internal alignment and then we have to update our lives with a with a proven strategy and that is you you build your process and you follow that that path
1: that's awesome i love that i have another question around addiction whether it's gambling or cigarettes or really i think it would be universal across any kind of addiction and you do have a relapse how do you come back from that, instead of like you said, going, "Oh, I'm back into it now. Like this is the end," and just letting it fall back in, is that a process you have around that as well to come back into the good habits after you've had an incident?
0: Yeah, it's it's a very good question, and, and it's a good point you make. That I know in my the Mental Health Association, we we just had an addiction conference just recently on the Gold Coast, and it's it's being more and more recognised that irrespective of the addiction, they are all pretty much universal in how, um, you know, how our bodies react to those and how, you know, how mentally we react to those. And certainly there's some differences between substances and, you know, how they affect the body. But addiction is, it doesn't matter what the addiction is to, it doesn't matter if it's drugs, alcohol, cigarettes, gambling, gaming, shopping, food, laziness. Primarily there's, there's a very a similar path that they all follow i suppose the 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 way that i would describe relapses or how to deal with relapses for for people is it, it, there's two things to, to again i, I borrowed this quote from from somebody that i went through gambling help with you never ever start from square one again so even if you've gone a month without using or without gambling or without whatever your addiction is if you've gone a month and you relapse you have not got back to square one because you have learned something in that month, you've learned something in your time, that every time you get there again, you are not starting right back from the start again. You have learned something in your journey. That means you are not starting from square one. And I think that's a problem that a lot of us face when we we screw up, which I did a couple of times or a number of times as well. We always think that that's it, I've I've screwed up and back to square one. Well, the first thing you need to remind yourself is you are not at square one because you've learned something. In, in the time that you've, you've had off, whether it's a day, a week, a month, a year, you've learned something. Um, the second thing that I'd say is, I started with my, with my habit building, I talk about winning the day, and, and winning the day involved me completing all the small steps on my to-do list. It was the, you know, the time I was going to wake up, my breathing exercises, cold showers, gratitude, drinking the water, all of those things that went through my day. And I would win the day if I ticked all of those boxes. But what I, what I started to do was say every now and then I wouldn't tick one of the boxes or I missed it and I I don't know why. But I would only let myself down if I repeated that behavior again tomorrow, because the first day you might be able to get uh, a discussion or you might be able to agree with yourself that it was a mistake, it shouldn't have happened, but now that it has happened, the next day is a conscious choice or the next opportunity is a conscious choice that you are going to make. Uh, you know, there's, not that it really works in this context, but there's a saying that says the first time you're a victim, every other time you're a volunteer. If, if you fall foul of your own behaviours and you fall back into addiction or you relapse for one day, well, that can happen. But the next time that opportunity presents or the next day, you now have a conscious choice to make you know, you stuffed up yesterday, the next day is your conscious choice. And, and so what I would, you know, uh, recommend to people is that they focus on that. And, you know, this this can happen within a day, if you've got an eating issue, if you've got a diet that you need to stick to, and you break it at, on breakfast on Sunday, well, you don't have to wait till Monday to get back on your diet, you just get back on your diet straight away. So that, they're probably the two things that might be a little bit different for some people, but I certainly would recommend that you never start from square one. And you only let yourself down if you repeat the behavior, not by doing it the first time.
1: Mm, yeah, I really like those takeaways. You've probably kind of answered it in, in the answer you just gave, but my final question is: what is the biggest takeaway you want someone to get from this episode?
0: Oh, maybe I have answered in those questions. Look, I, I think the, the biggest takeaway, I mean, we, we've probably covered a, a broad range of topics, you know, through it, but there's a number of people out there that that are struggling this is you know this is a, it's a great podcast on mindset and, and mastery and you probably have a lot of people that are doing quite well in their life looking to take the next step but one thing I do see is there's a lot of successful people that have the inner voice or the inner conflict that they don't feel comfortable with something going on in their life they they're building an empire but they're building an empire to prove something to other people or they're they're not quite sure that what they're doing is the right thing, but they seem to be on a good successful path. And and often being successful is, is very dangerous because when we're successful at something, we feel like that must be our purpose and we continue on. And I'm certainly not suggesting that people stop what they're doing, you know, to take different paths. But if you are moving in a successful space and you do feel like there's something that doesn't seem quite right just start go back to basics start small find some things that you can win the day with build small habits and and ultimately you will feel much more confident in yourself and once we're once you're confident in yourself you don't second guess your decisions to move forward so yeah if i if i could probably leave people with anything and and judging by the audience again you know I, i i think that Sometimes when we're high achievers and we're looking to be better, we forget that there's small habits that got us to where we were. You know, maybe we need to go back and keep watering those flowers.
1: Mm, That's awesome. That's a fantastic answer. And Gary, how can people connect with you and find out more about what you do?
0: Probably the best place at the moment is strongmend.com. In about a week's time, we'll also have garyfay.com, but strongmend, strong. mend.com is the best place and everything that I do in some way will link to that website, Facebook and all that. It's all the same, same sort of deal. So that will be the best place to grab us.
1: That's awesome. Gary, it's been great to have you on the show today. Thank you so much for your time.
0: Uh, Pleasure, Rach. Uh, Thanks for having me on and uh, good luck with uh, moving forward.
1: If you'd like to connect with Gary, you can follow those links that we just talked about in the show notes below. If you have been enjoying the episode please share it with one person who you also think would find value in what we talked about today i can't wait to have you again next week for another episode of mindset mastery and until then remember we are only limited by what we believe we are limited